This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book One, Exiles, Chapter Three. The girl woke with something over her face, thick and dry and warm. She couldn't open her eyes. She tried to brush it away, but her hands couldn't move. It was as if she had been bundled up in layer after layer of heavy blankets. She tried to move, to sit up, but the blankets, if that's what they were, settled down heavier than before, pressing her down. She turned her head, felt the heaviness wrap around her face like a warm afternoon nap. She moaned the heaviness seeping in to fill her mouth and wrap around her tongue. That was what did it, that feeling sliding down her throat, the horror of it. She tore at it with her teeth. It was like biting a wool sweater, tasteless and thick. She fought back against it, shoving her hands up, putting all of her weight under it to try and throw it to one side, insistent, pressing her back down. She kept pushing, tearing at the thick weight of it with her hands, throwing it off in ropey strands. Once her hands were free, she tore at her face, peeling off band after band of pale shadow and scraping it out of her mouth. She freed her shoulders, then her waist, and sat up. Heavy braids of pale gauze lay over her legs, binding them together. She pushed, feeling them coil tighter around her. She kicked at the ropey shadows and stood up, shaking them off. They writhed on the ground all around her, withering into nothing as she watched. She took a breath, finally free, and looked around. She was standing by the side of a road. The world was cast in a flat gray light. Everything looked strange, leached of color and of life. She heard a groan and turned to see a long bundle of those snakish, shadowy bands writhing on the ground nearby. She stepped back out of their reach before realizing that they were already occupied in smothering someone else in their draping coils. From the outside she watched, fascinated. It was like something in a nature show. Then the bundle groaned once more, she realized who was caught inside. The girl ran and tore at the bands, clawing them away from her brother's face and throat. His eyes were closed and he wasn't breathing. A thin trickle of the shadowy stuff dangled from the corner of his mouth. She pried his jaws apart to find his mouth filled with a wad of the stuff, all coiled up inside like a snake. She dug into it with her fingers and pulled, drawing it up and out of him with a shudder. He gagged and choked as she tugged it free. It was the consistency of raw bread dough. Disgusted, she balled it up and tossed it as far away as she could. The girl knelt down and touched her brother's face lightly with her fingertips. His eyelids fluttered, but he didn't move. She peeled back more of the shadows until he was free to his waist and unzipped his coat. She dug her fingers into his side, clutching and pinching at a fold of skin, 
twisting it as hard as she could. It was a common enough torment, one of her specialties as a younger sister, and he had suffered from it often. Her brother sat up with a gasp. That hurts, he said, rubbing his side. Get over it, she said, helping him strip off the rest of the pale shadows wrapped around his hips and legs. Once he was free, he stood up. Thanks. Where are we? Everything around them, everything they could see, the skeletal winter trees, the snowbanks piled along the street, the flat, pale sky overhead, it was all cast in sharp contrast, like an old movie. Everything was still. Nothing moved. There was no sound but their own breathing. Look, the boy pointed to the opposite side of the road. A blunt, twisted chunk of metal, roughly the size and shape of their mother's car, sat as though it had been chewed on and then spat out again. Next to it, the girl saw a familiar mass of shadowy bands writhing and contracting around something. Mom! She started to run across the road, but her brother grabbed her arms, holding her back. Wait. He pointed to the roadway in front of them. Look. What? She pulled her arms free. The street was empty. He pointed again, sweeping his fingertip across her line of vision. Can't you see them? See what? He raised his hand again, tracing a path in the air from the top of the hill down and past where they were standing. Whatever. The girl tried to run across again. Wait, he said, hand in midair. Keep your eye on my finger. He began to move his hand, tracing a line down the hill, pointing at something that wasn't there. She started to argue, and then she saw it. A blur of light red and blue like a bruise in the air, traveling along the roadway. It passed by and swept on toward the bend, vanishing around the corner. He pointed back to the top of the hill and waved his hand down again, and again. She could see them now, blurry movement, trailing streams of light along in their wake as they passed. What are they? I'm not sure. I think they're cars. More swept past in a clump of color and light. What's wrong with them? I'm not sure there's anything wrong with them, he said, shaking his head. I think it's us. How do we get across? We have to help her. Who? The girl pointed to the writhing mass on the other side of the road. Mom, she needs us. Her brother stared at her blankly, and she gave up. Grabbing his hand, she cried, Now, and ran. Halfway across, she looked up and saw it bearing down on them, all light and color. She froze, and for a moment she thought that it would crush them, smear them across the air. But her brother dragged her out of the way, and they tumbled down at the other side of the road. She heard the blare of a horn, dim and far off. 
She got up quickly and ran to the huddled mass of shadows. Her brother knelt down next to her and watched as she tore at the thick bands, pulling and clawing at them. Help me, she said to him. Help her. He looked at her, confused. He didn't understand, hadn't seen what she had seen. He watched his sister tear at the shadows, pulling away strips and throwing them aside. Hurry, hurry, she said. He dug in with his hands, unsure of what they were trying to do. Following her example, he grasped and pulled something loose. He gasped at the sight of his mother's face there in front of him. Her eyes were closed, and as he watched, a thick ribbon of shadows slithered across her cheek and covered her once more. They both tore at the shadows now, calling to her. And then the bundle collapsed like a balloon with all the air let out. They scraped and tore, but the shadowy bands fluttered and melted under their hands. There was nothing left beneath. The boy sat back, watching the shadows flicker and fade as they crawled away. His sister still grasped at them as though she could force them back into shape, but they melted away under her hands. She beat at the ground with her fists, sobbing with frustration and failure. Her brother reached out for her hands and held them. She pushed him away. He put his forehead against hers and said her name. She's gone. He held her a while while she wept, while the blur of traffic drifted by in a stream of muted light and color near the twisted lump of dead metal that had once been their mother's car. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Failure to comply is a violation of international copyright law 
and will incite the fury of the seas to rise up against the nations of the earth, wiping away innocent and villain alike. Don't say we didn't warn you. Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2007, PM Camp. All rights reserved. So there.